0: This episode of North Texas Cycling Monthly was recorded Thursday, August 27th, 2020. My original plan was to get the August episode out, well, much earlier, late July, early August, uh, but life got in the way. It's been a pretty stressful summer. Um, I had been working a lot. I was working six-day work weeks. Uh, I was working 10 to 12 hours a day. And, you know, if there's one thing I remained positive about through 2020, despite pandemic, despite um, my kids being students from home, despite my wife working from home, I was like, you know, if there's one regard in which I'm lucky is that I have a job. I was going to that job almost daily and uh, things seem pretty stable. Now, here in the past couple of weeks, I find myself without a job. I am lumped into a huge, uh, mass of humanity across the United States that are unemployed. And, uh, well, things are a little more uncertain going forward. Now, uh, of course, the upside to that is I have a lot more free time available to me and a little more time to devote to North Texas Cycling Monthly. So... We are two days from what would be Hotter Than Hell 100 2020. Uh, But of course, it uh, is a quote unquote virtual ride this year. And Boy, I was looking at the forecast and this ride, the 2020 Hotter and 100 would have been a much hotter ride than last year, at least as hot as 2018 um, and may go down depending on where the high temperature falls Saturday afternoon. It may go down as one of the hottest days in which the Hotter Hill 100 would take place um, in the past 15 to 20 years. Now, on a typical sunny Texas summer day, the high temperature usually is observed at 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And, uh, for example, last year, the high temperature for, I believe it was, what, August 29th of 2019? I'm not, not the 29th. Well, I can't remember the specific day that the Hot and Hell 100 fell on. I believe it was maybe the 24th. But anyway typically, the high temperature falls four or five o'clock in the afternoon. The high temperature from the 2019 ride was 94 degrees. That means that virtually everyone who took part in a ride that day, they finished their ride before we even made it to 90 degrees. Right. Uh, well, the forecast high temperature for Saturday, the 29th, is somewhere in the neighborhood of 102 to 105 degrees. So that means that by the time we get to, say, 10 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, the temperature will be um, in the neighborhood of 94 to 95 degrees. So the 2020 ride would have been orders of magnitude hotter than the 2019 ride, which honestly, Um, The weather (laughs) the weather was not as advertised or at least as advertised in the name of the most famous ride in Texas, if not the United States. Um, So, yeah, uh, if if the if the 2020 ride had gone on as planned, it would have gone down as probably one of the hottest rides of the past 15 to 20 years. So, well, obviously, in retrospect, with all the th- numbers still very bad as far as the pandemic is concerned, in retrospect, it was a wise decision for the 2020 Hot and Hell 100 to be canceled back in late May. I think we were all optimistic that maybe by the time we get to mid June, perhaps into early July, things would be getting better. Um, but things are not getting better. And uh, boy, you know, a lot of, you know, Uh, What, 150,000 plus Americans have died. Their cause of death has been COVID-19. Now, from a cycling standpoint, you would like to think that we will have a lot of problems solved pandemic-wise by the time we get to the 2021 t-shirt ride season in Texas, which is just under seven months from now. I guess we'll see how things go. Optimistically, by spring of 2021, there will be vaccines available to Texans. As of right now, there's still some risk to riding in groups because it's becoming more and more evident that people in relatively good health who exercise regularly can suffer significantly from the the effects of COVID-19. My suggestion to you is that you cover your nose and mouth with some type of material. Not all masks are equally good, but Some type of material like a gaiter or some type of cloth material will provide some protection to people around you from the droplets from your nose and mouth. Obviously, uh, in a group ride, if you're in a paste line, whatever comes from your nose or mouth could be inhaled by the rider or riders behind you. Uh, for distances up to 60 feet depending on your speed so please be very cautious the coronavirus is still a very much a thing this is our 13th regular episode which means North Texas Cycling Monthly is celebrating its first birthday episode 1 was released very late in July 2019 and it features representatives from the Hundred Hell Hundred which is the crown jewel of cycling In Texas. One ride in North Texas that still appears to be a go in September is the Texas Tumbleweed up in Dumas with routes of 12, 35, 67, and 100 miles. What's fascinating about this particular event is the elevation gain. The 67-mile route has nearly 2,000 feet of climb, and the 100-mile route has over 3,600 feet of climb. You contrast that with the Hotter and Hell 100. Now, according to my Strava numbers, the 100-mile ride um, is about 1,700 feet of elevation. So... If I can get up to Dumas in mid-September, I just might uh, have a go at least at the 67-mile route. And if confidence uh, is still there a year later, maybe I go for 100 miles in Dumas. Okay, so the topic of this episode is quote: Just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Just because we have the legal right to, quote unquote, take the lane, meaning to ride in the traffic lanes where the cars and trucks are, doesn't mean we should if there is a safer alternative available to us. Now, here's something I experienced earlier this year that made me think this would be a worthy topic for an episode of North Texas Cycling Monthly. I was riding solo on a two-lane undivided highway in a rural part of North Texas. About three quarters of a mile ahead of me, I saw two cyclists riding in tandem or one in front of the other and also riding a touch slower than I was. So I was able to gradually gain on them. As I got closer, I saw that these two cyclists were taking the lane, or they were riding in the traffic lanes, while this particular stretch of road had a rather generous shoulder, wide enough to accommodate a full-size pickup. As I got closer and closer, uh, these cyclists remained in the traffic lane uh, at a point where uh, there was a double yellow stripe down the middle, which essentially means a a no-passing zone. I would estimate the speed of these two cyclists to be maybe 15 to 17 miles per hour. Now, because of this, cars and trucks began to stack up behind them. Now, because I was concerned about their safety, I pulled up alongside uh, on the shoulder and suggested that what they were doing was dangerous. And based on the look on their faces, they didn't really appreciate my concern. I continued down the road on the shoulder, and as far as I can tell, they stayed stayed in the traffic lane. And if my memory serves, I heard at least one of the vehicles honk before they were given the opportunity to pass. So what I thought I would do is essentially look back on the first year of North Texas Cycling Monthly, and I would reach out to past guests and get their opinions on that specific scenario. I know that some cyclists are of the opinion that by taking traffic lanes, we condition car and truck drivers to respect our legal right to be there. And by doing so, it will make a habit of vehicle drivers to share the road. Now, for me, I'm simply not prepared to place that much faith and trust in drivers of cars and trucks. I simply don't believe that a cyclist is ever going to be on the winning end of a road rage incident. Um, But perhaps I'm more pessimistic than other cyclists. In episode four, we talked to Larry Hine about cold weather riding and maintenance. Uh, Larry's opinion on the matter is, quote, "Uh, I don't ride on the shoulder unless it is smooth and free of road hazards. I ride just a few inches to the left of the white painted line for safety. I have ridden on the shoulder of... uh, I have ridden on the shoulder many times on a particular farm-to-market road, and I've had too many close calls with motorists. In episode five, we spoke with Mark Pinson. He's the owner of Endurance House in Wichita Falls. We talked to him about the holiday shopping season. Mark says, quote, As a cyclist and a basic good human being, you should always respect other people. The thought, quote, I can, so I will, unquote, has never worked for me. Moving over to the shoulder is an excellent way to share the road and help the relationship between cyclist and driver. Now, I do believe when there is no car, I prefer to be on the road. But when you sense a car, I believe it's a good policy to move over a bit. Ryan Reiki from Episode 6, Gravel and Bronze, says, quote, I'm taking the shoulder, even if it's narrow, I'm in it. Unquote. In episode seven, we spoke with the Godfather. He's the founder of Wheelbrothers.com, an essential tool uh, for any cyclist who's planning their ride season. He replies, quote, "The Godfather would take the shoulder every time as long as conditions allow." If there's no significant gravel or dead animals, anything that would make cycling dangerous for us on the shoulder, uh, it's the courteous thing to do and, more importantly, safer for all involved. Why risk accidentally getting hit or irritating drivers just because you can? Everyone is so focused on their rights these days that uh, we can't forget the simple don't-be-a-butthole rule. And uh, the Godfather didn't write. Uh, just because you can doesn't always make it right. Because uh, be, be courteous to those around you. And 99% of the time, they will be courteous to you. We just have to worry about that 1%. Uh, In episode 8, we spoke with Jimmy Young. He was our guest on our mountain bike episode, which has been one of our more popular episodes of North Texas Cycling Monthly. Jimmy says... Quote, I'm a big advocate for using the shoulder if at all possible. I feel doing this where possible creates a sense of of sharing the road as well as a safer place to ride on the roadways. You know, there are a lot of things we as a society have a legal right to do, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's safe. I think if we're in a situation of a large group or if there's no shoulder, then sure, take the lane, but light yourself up to uh, help the vehicles see you as soon as possible. I think the rift comes between vehicles approaching, running up on you fast due to speed differences and the lack of seeing the cyclist ahead of time. If a cyclist gets hit or killed, it's not just the cyclist that's affected, but it's the motorist as well. 99% 99% of drivers never live down the guilt of killing someone, even if by accident. We have to do this together. So that's what Jimmy Young has to say. Now, in episode 10, it features a great interview with Bike and Mike Keel. Um, if you, uh, next time we do Hotter in Hell 100, hopefully next year, uh, you'll definitely want to go to his pre ride uh, speech or pep talk. Please do that. Now, his answer to the question, quote, Taking the lane in town is one thing, but taking the lane out in the countryside is quite another. If the shoulder is very rough, I will ride in the roadway and move to the shoulder when traffic is approaching from behind. Since I use a rearview mirror and I pay close attention to what is going on behind me, I will move over quickly and easily. If it is a high traffic road, I ride and I stay in the shoulder area. If it's a low traffic roadway, I will move from the roadway to the shoulder as needed. Personally, I think that the most important aspect of personal safety is staying aware of the traffic around you and working to minimize the irritation. A slow moving bicycle adds to the traffic mix. So wise words from Bike and Mike. So I think really it's almost a consensus from our past guests And I, of course, would love to hear from you, our listeners. You can reach me at NorthTexasCycling at gmail.com. Well, that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. I I promise you won't have to wait. uh, uh, You won't have to wait too long for the next one. Uh, If you like what you hear, please rate and review North Texas Cycling Monthly. Podcasters benefit from five-star reviews. If you like what you hear, don't keep it to yourself. Tell your friends about this. And remember, the world is better when seen from a bicycle. Stay well, and we'll see you down the road.